Come on, views everywhere across the state. Hey, make some noise tonight. Come on, you're 11 to 18 year olds. I know you got always got something inside of you that wants to come out, but listen, listen, listen. I just need to go ahead and give you a heads up. I need you to buckle in, get ready to take notes, get ready to go, because we got a beautiful destination we need to get to. And I'm like at one of those places where I'm like shaky excited for what God wants to do tonight. This whole night, you know before a game, Anderson can attest, I literally was like during the, um, what's that called, rolling? I'm literally like this. But it feels like before a game because the enemy's about to lose a lot of battles in every room across the state tonight. So I need you to buckle in. But first, what I need you to do to get right on the same page, I need you to hold up a three like this. Pretend you just made a three in the face of somebody. You can, you know, however you celebrate. Three things I need to do before we get started. I need to talk about next week. I need to talk. Some of y'all, you ain't never made a three in anybody's face. You're like, I do this to you all the time. You ain't never done that. Okay. Three things we need to talk about before I actually get into the night. Number, You can put your hands down. Number one, I need to talk about next week first. Okay. Tonight's going to be incredible, but you do not want to miss next week. We're not, we're not putting it online. It's not getting broadcast to the internet. So if you're like after track practice or whatever, like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to catch it online. No, you ain't. Because it's not going to be online. It's going to be one night only, limited edition of Fuse. If you're not here, you're going to miss it. Let me tell you, you don't want to miss it. If you get it, say, okay. Okay. Now I need to talk about um, last week. All right? If you, if you missed it, Caleb did a beautiful job of unpacking where we've gotten to in our journey um, in the Exodus journey. So what happens, let me catch you up. We're in our Exodus series. And if you missed last week, that one is online. You should go watch it. But let me catch you up really quick. We pick up the Exodus story and still this idea of God's covenant that we did the whole last series where God is determined to be bound in relationship to his people. A lot of what we talked about was through this guy named Abraham. If you remember Abraham, say yes. Okay. Abraham, remember we cut the animals in half and some of y'all were crying because it was like your stuffed dolly or whatever. But, okay, we walked through Abraham. What we're doing in Exodus is fast-forwarding a couple hundred years. Uh, this guy named Joseph has come along, his great-grandson. And this famine, this lack of food hit Egypt. Somehow Joseph finds himself the right-hand man of Pharaoh saving all the land from this famine. But what happens is because Joseph and his people are heirs of Abraham, they have now started to inherit the promise. They multiply and they're starting to take over the land. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, doesn't really like this. So he enslaves the Israelites, the people of promise, Abraham's family. And that's where we've come in the story that God's people are enslaved. They've been enslaved hundreds of years, and they're starting to think maybe God's forgotten his covenant. Maybe the story I heard about Abraham isn't true because it kind of seems like he's not coming through on his promise. But we see that God is determined to, he has not forgotten his covenant, he has not forgotten his relationship, and he shows this by coming to a guy named Moses through this thing called the burning bush. Everybody remember this? Yes, the burning bush. It's like burning, but it's not burning, all right? And this is what he says to Moses in the middle of nowhere, talking to an anointed man to go deliver the people, is this in Exodus 3, 7 through 8. I want you to hear the voice of God talking through a burning bush. This actually happened, not just in written on a page in ink, but in the reality of history, this encounter happened between God and man, real. And this is what God says. Moses I have surely seen the affliction of my people. 
I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them. Leave that up there for a second because I want you all to put your eyes on those bold underlined parts. They're bold and underlined for a reason. Because I want you to hear that what God spoke to Moses to go deliver his people is the same word that he now speaks over us. We are now the inheritors of this promise. You need to hear God sees you, 11-year-old. God knows you. He knows what he's what you're going through, and he has come close to prove to you that deliverance is at hand, that your current reality doesn't have to be your forever reality, that you can be free in the same way the Israelites are going to see tonight, that God is serious about freeing his people. He says this now to you tonight. Hey, whatever your situation is, every campus, look at the screen in my eyeballs. He sees you. He knows your situation, and he is coming close, has come close, is now close in the person of the Holy Spirit to deliver you. This is the same truth available for us tonight. So he says this to Moses, and I want you to see that not this isn't just a history story. This isn't just something cool we're teaching you of all the stuff that happens. I want you to write this down. The Exodus journey, what we are talking about from enslavement to deliverance, the Exodus journey is not ancient or foreign. It is current and it is mine and it is yours. Okay? The Exodus journey is not ancient or foreign, it is current and it is mine. So you need to take everything that we talk about in this series very personally because it is personal to you. So with this in mind, we then see that Moses, okay, how can you argue with a burning bush? I guess I'll go back and tell Pharaoh, 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 oh baby, let my people go, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's, that's in Exodus 17, it's not. But he does go back to, to Pharaoh and he says, God has commanded you, let his people go. But I want you to see Pharaoh's response. Look at this in Exodus 5. But Pharaoh said, who's the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I want you to look at this. Again, look at that question, who is the Lord? If you were to push me on this, I would say this is humanity's main question. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? So I want you to take that question, I want you to formulate it in your mind, and I want it to be the filter that you look at the rest of the night. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Because let me tell you something. Pharaoh asked this question and said, God says, who? I'm so glad you asked. I would love to show you ten times over. So what we're talking about tonight is this thing called the ten plagues. Raise your hand if you've heard about this. Ten plagues, many of you. Okay, we're going to teach this in a way, maybe using more illustrations than has ever existed in the accumulation of fuse history ever. So if you can't pay attention to the message tonight, I ain't got nothing for you, okay? You've been, you've been watching too many YouTube videos. You need to get your attention span back because if you can't, we have done everything in our power to show you how amazing this real story is. God answering Pharaoh's question, who is the Lord? And I want you to see through each plague how God is making a statement. Who am I? Well, I am through these plagues. But again, we wanted to do it in a creative way. So we have set up over here, I'm sure you're all aware that this is a little Egypt. Um, that sounds like a rapper's name. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was little Egypt. Anyways. Um, so imagine you're just a, a person in Egypt. You hear rumors of this guy named Moses who's coming to, hey, Pharaoh, come up. Nobody goes up in Pharaoh's room and commands anything, okay? 
So I'm sure talk is happening about Moses and who he is and how dare he ask Pharaoh, who is the Lord that we should obey his voice? And so Moses begins, actually says um, in Exodus, hey, before he performs the first plague, he says, hey, by this you shall know who the Lord is. And then the plagues begin. So I'm going to walk through these as if nights you're going to bed and you're waking up to a new plague. All of our dreams. But first, any of y'all need water before you go to sleep? Boy, I am parched. All right, anybody of y'all used to like try to bargain with your mom to not go to sleep yet? Mom, I need water. Anybody? It's like you've gotten water 14 times. Now I have to pee. Anyways. So I've gotten my sip of water. Night one in Egypt. I'll see y'all in the morning. wake up in the morning, I have a little morning breath, a lot of morning breath. I reach over for my sip of water. Um, here's what you need to know, reality. Egypt wakes up after Pharaoh refuses to let God's people go to a first plague of every drop of water in Egypt has turned to blood. The Nile River that flows through Egypt has turned into blood. The very source of every drop of water that they have has now become blood. doesn't matter if they got water out of the Nile the night before. It has turned to blood. Now, let me tell you what this plague is proving. God is, the Nile was the source of Egypt's life. It's where they got their water, and we know water is life. So what God is showing, whatever your source is, no, no, I am the source. Who am I, Pharaoh? I am the source. The Nile is not your source. The Nile is not the source of life. I, God, am the source. So I've stricken your source in a way that you can't even use it. The first plague is water to blood. So Pharaoh comes to Moses. He's like, hey, man, calm down. Pray for, pray to your God to relent, and then I'll let your people go. And Moses says, all right, I'll pray. He prays. Water comes back. But then Pharaoh's like, ha, just playing not going to let your people go. So Moses has to obey the Lord again, and we go to bed for the second night and see what's God going to do in the morning to prove who he is. See y'all in the morning. Okay, go here with me. Imagine, imagine waking up tomorrow morning and your room is covered with frogs. You got to step out and step on a frog with your bare foot, okay? Imagine these frogs are in your morning cereal. Imagine that they are in your carriage when you try to drive to school. These frogs are everywhere plaguing the earth. Pharaoh says, Moses, you got to get rid of these frogs, man. Relent, and I will let God's people go. Moses prayed, God, please relent with the frogs. And the frogs relent, but let me tell you what this plague means. There was a God in Egypt that literally had the face of a frog that they worshipped. This, this God was uh, believed to provide success fruitfulness and success. 
What God is showing by plaguing Egypt with frogs is, hey, I am better than the success of the world. The very thing that they had gone to, offered sacrifices to, to try to get success is the very thing that plagues their entire lives. Do you see where I'm going with this? God is saying, I am better than the success of the world. Y'all thought you wanted success from this frog. Well, here's plenty of them, and all of a sudden, what you've been searching for as success has now become the very thing that is plaguing you. But Moses prays, God relents, Pharaoh says, psych again, his heart is hardened. I'm not going to let God's people go. So now I'm sure Egypt's like, Pharaoh, I don't know, man, maybe you should think about it. But we go to bed. You're going to sleep on frogs. You go to bed on night three, wondering, am I going to wake up to something different in the morning? That new, I, um, that's that new iPhone uh, alarm to wake you up in the morning. You wake up this morning. So far, everything seems okay. You walk out to your beautiful Egyptian veranda overlooking the pyramids, hit a little stretch, and all of a sudden, you hear in your ear a little Some of y'all are covering your, they're not actually here, okay? But imagine gnats gnats so thick that they're crawling up your nose, they're going in your ear, you try to talk and they're going in your mouth, every aspect of peace that you've been going after destroyed when gnats hit. Fair comes to Moses again, please Moses, Moses prays, God relent of the gnats. So the gnats go away, but let me tell you what God is showing an I am statement with the gnats. What ruins peace? You know you're sitting on the lake. It's a beautiful summer day that we're all ready for. God, relent, I pray like Moses, relent with the rain. But you're sitting on a dock or a boat and gnats are like inside your ear. Nothing ruins peace like gnats. And the Egyptian culture was all about peace and comfort. God is showing there is no peace without me. I am peace. So he plagues Egypt with gnats to show I am peace. But again, the gnats relent. Pharaoh rehardens his heart again. The frogs are still here. Imagine, how'd they clean all this up? I'm talking about millions and millions of frogs just laying around dead. These aren't going to be gone by the next day. So the plagues are starting to maybe even build on each other. So you go to sleep on the next day hoping to wake up to a little bit of peace, a little bit of comfort, and we'll see what happens on the next day. Now I can't sleep because I'm scared of the plagues. I don't know what I'm going to wake up to. Is there going to be... <laughs> so far, so good. But then you open what maybe has been protecting you from the gnats, and all of a sudden you hear something even worse. No! There's flies everywhere. You thought gnats were bad. These things yesterday were flying on dung heaps. Now they're in your mouth. They're all over everything. Plaguing you. I mean, you can't swat these things. I'm talking clouds of gnats. Pharaoh, imagine Pharaoh and Moses having a conversation. Moses, you've got to ask God to relent of these flies. I'm going crazy. So the flies relent. But let me tell you what's different about this plague. 
listen, what's different about this plague is Pharaoh started to get a little worn down, and so he tried to compromise his way out of this plague. He says, okay, Moses, I'll give you a part of the promise. Let your people sacrifice here. And Moses says, no, no, God is not a God of compromise. He is a God of complete submission. So that's what God is saying in this plague. I am worthy of everything, Pharaoh. You're not going to appease me with your compromise. I need your complete submission. That's the I am statement of this plague. But that's just, y'all, we're not even halfway through. This is already the worst week of every Egyptian's life. But the flies are gone. We go back to sleep. Lord, I hope it's not something too bad, but let's see what happens on the next morning. I'm not going to sleep. Maybe if I don't go to sleep, they won't happen. Can y'all tell me? Is there, are we safe? And you wake up this morning. <laughs> Dolly! Um, but sweet Dolly is dead. Hold on, listen, listen. Imagine you wake up, and listen, agri- or livestock was a huge part of Egyptian culture. Cows sheep everywhere because the more livestock you had, the more power you had, the more money you had, the more you were provided for. And you wake up one morning and every source of provision is laying dead all throughout the land of Egypt. Imagine the smell as soon as it starts to get hot outside. Because let me tell you something, any form of provision that you and I try to seek after will eventually stink in our nostrils. God is showing in this plague, hey, every other source that you've been looking at to provide for you will not work. God is saying, I am the provider. I'm the only one who can provide. Egypt, you've been looking to these livestock and cattle and sweet little lammy to provide for you. I am the ultimate provider, Pharaoh. You asked, let me prove it to you, I am provider. Pharaoh asks again, Moses prays to relent. Pharaoh promising, I'll let your people go doesn't happen. And let me tell you, if you're wondering why does Pharaoh keep changing his mind, is that not you and I? When stuff's going bad, we pray, God, please come through. And as soon as he does and appeases us and relieves us, we then turn back to taking control of our own lives. Relief will often make us forget our great reliance on God. That's what was happening to Pharaoh over and over and over again. I'm sorry, Dolly. I'm sorry, Lammy. We sought provision in the wrong place, and God shows us I am provider. But we're not done, so I need to go back to sleep to see what the next thing is that's going to happen because we will not submit to God's authority. You ever woken up in the morning and wondering where that zit came from overnight? (laughs) Imagine waking up and your whole body is covered in festering boils. This is the next plague. The sixth plague 
everyone's body covered in painful boils. Covering your entire body. There's no relief. It won't relent. I'm sure it looks sometimes like part of them would even fall, like your, part of your skin would just fall off of your body. But I want to tell you, this is a really cool thing that has to do with this plague. How this plague starts is God tells Moses to grab some ashes from the kilns that the Israelites would use to make bricks for the pyramids. He tells them to go into Pharaoh's throne room and just throw the ashes up in his face. And this is what starts the boil epidemic, the boil plague. This is so good, okay? Come with me here. Ashes were a result of the oppression of Pharaoh. Make my bricks, build my monuments, obey me. God asked Moses to take the very thing that that was oppressing the Israelites to go to the enemy, throw it up in his face and show when God is in control, the very thing that the enemy is using to afflict you can be the thing that you use to afflict the enemy. This is amazing. Some of y'all need to hear tonight, and I know it's hard to take me seriously with the stuff on my face, but you need to hear this. There is something that is greatly afflicting you, and God, I have felt this strong all week. God wants you to hear tonight that very thing that is breaking you down, that feel like is literally producing ashes in your life, is a thing that one day, even maybe tonight, he's called you to pick up, throw it in the enemy's face, and show, I have victory in God who has all authority and power. God is showing in this, I am... I am the true and righteous judge. You pick up what you think is just ashes of how the enemy has burned you. You throw it back in his face and show, in God, I have ultimate authority. But he, again, goes to Moses, asks for the plague. This kind of hurts to relent. It does, but Pharaoh, again, is that all of them? What? Asks him to relent. Pharaoh hardens his heart again, which means we're not done with plagues. So I guess I'll, uh, guess I'll see you guys in the morning. Please let there be nothing in the morning. Please let. I don't know about you. Let me tell you what's happening on this morning when you wake up. Giant hailstones are falling from heaven. The Bible even says that it's this strange phenomenon of fire mixed with ice falling from heaven. So imagine you wake up to holes being punched into your roof. That new chariot you just bought, that new Range Rover chariot, is completely destroyed and on fire because hail is falling from heaven. Pharaoh comes back to Moses, please, we're lit from the hail and fire. I will let your people go. But let me tell you what this plague represents. Something kind of different that happens in this plague. All the other ones, this has not happened, but God in this plague gives a warning. He says, hey, I want you to tell Pharaoh, tomorrow I'm going to send hail on fire from heaven. I'm warning you because if you will bring your families in, your workers in, the rest of your livestock that hasn't died in, then they will be saved. So what God is showing in this plague is, hey, I'm, I'm kind enough to provide a way out. 
I am kind enough to provide a way out. Some of y'all need to hear that tonight, that you're going through something and you're like right on the edge. You're on the edge of making a pretty serious decision that can either ruin your life or get a, a trajectory to the fullness of life. And you need to hear through the plagues tonight from the voice of God, there is always a way out. He is kind enough to provide a way out. And he is kind enough to bring you to Fuse tonight in South Carolina to tell you that thing that you've been thinking about doing, that decision that you've been thinking about making, there's a way out, there's a different way. God is kind. He is kind. Take the way out. But Moses again prays. Pharaoh doesn't relent, doesn't listen. So dang if we ain't got to go through a couple more plagues. So I guess I'll see y'all. Matter of fact, now that the Nile's back. known as locusts, maybe as big as the palm of your hand, everywhere. Every crop that you think was surviving is now eaten. Every bit of green now gone. These things are destroying every last bit of life. So Pharaoh comes back, Moses prays, God, please relent from the locusts, and the locusts relent. But here's what God is showing with the locusts. The Bible says that in this plague that the locusts ate literally every piece of green that was left over. Imagine looking out from your window in the morning and there's not one speck of green on a tree, not a blade of grass, not a beautiful little flower because the locusts ate it all. And here's what I believe God is saying. That sometimes we can be operating in a little bit of submission, but there's still something that we're clinging to as a little bit of our source of life. He is kind enough to remove that to show I am the life, period. God himself is the only source of life. He is it. These locusts ate everything away to prove to Pharaoh, even those crops that you were counting on to produce life for you, nope, I am the life. So we're eight plagues in now. I've got one more that I want to talk through tonight. So I'll see y'all in the morning. Or will I? <laughs> so you wake up this morning, and the sun doesn't. And you wonder if the rooster is confused or if something's gone terribly wrong. Imagine the Bible says a darkness so heavy that you can feel it. Now, I know at every campus right now, you've got some little sources of light. Maybe you turn your phone on because you're scared of the dark, even though you're a senior dude. But a lot of theologians, y'all get this. A lot of theologians even believe that the darkness was so heavy that God plagued Egypt with that not even man-made sources of light would work. So no lamps, no fires. Imagine going to pick up your phone and the light doesn't come on the screen. Some of y'all, that's the worst plague you can think of. Imagine the flashlight not working. God, listen, listen. 
God removes all sources of light to show without my presence, there is no light. Because it says in the Bible that the Israelites still had light. So imagine being Egyptian, looking across the way and seeing the Israelites still have a candle burning. The Israelites still have a fire because they were covered by the presence of God. What had happened in Egypt, here's what some of y'all need to hear. And I'm running low on time, so I need to hurry up. But you need to hear this. It is God's common grace in our life to provide anything to us. Anything. Anything. The fact that you have breath in your lungs, the fact that some of you have a phone light to turn on right now, the fact that you're going to drive a car home, the fact that you're wearing a shirt right now, the fact that you can breathe in and breathe out is God's grace in all of our lives. Whether you believe in him or not, he has extended grace to you for the very fact that you have life in your lungs right now. And were he to remove his presence, all source of life and light would be gone. But Pharaoh goes to Moses again, prays. The darkness relents, but we got one more plague to go through, and he goes to sleep, all of Egypt, on the last night. And it's been dark, so this night seems to last longer. And you have to think, what's going through your head is, I've lost all my cattle, my home's been destroyed, My crops are gone. And you wake up on the last morning. And there's no, there's no rooster crow. You no longer smell the smell of blood coming from the Nile. There's no longer the flap of locusts' wings. But what arises in Egypt is one of the greatest cries that's ever arisen. One of the greatest losses that's ever happened. And I'm not going to walk through all of it tonight because Caleb is going to go into extreme depth of just this plague and how it points to the grace of Jesus Christ. But what I want you to hear about this plague is that deliverance comes at a much higher price than any of us can fully comprehend. Egypt experienced it on that morning, that deliverance came at a very high price. But God is serious about freeing his people, and he is serious about freeing you. That's what you need to understand from these plagues. God over and over and over again showing anything that you could possibly want, I am the fulfillment of that thing. The heaviness that was felt in Egypt on that last morning with the last plague was finally the thing to break Pharaoh, if even just for a moment, to release people into freedom because he finally saw what God was showing. Listen to me. God is saying through these plagues, I am king. I am God. I have full power. I have full authority. And he is serious about delivering you. Because listen, most of us don't have a problem with the reality of God. Egypt didn't have a problem with the reality of God. They had 114 gods. The God with the frog head was just what I mentioned. The problem came, as my friend Caleb would say, when God tried to start doing God things. Most of us don't have a problem with God. We have a problem with God when he starts trying to have authority in our lives. 
That was Egypt's problem. That's our problem. Look across culture today. All of us saying, if there's one truth that most of culture can agree on, it seems to be my authority is ultimate authority. Why are you trying to hinder my truth? If it's true to me, then it's true. That is logically impossible. God is the source of everything, the king of everything, what he says goes. And the Exodus story is a story of deliverance, but through the plagues, what I want you to see, remember their story being our story, write this down. Salvation is more than believing in the reality of God. It is submitting to the authority of God. Just believing God is real is not enough. We've got to submit to his authority. So here's what I want to do tonight. I want us all to end with a question, much like Pharaoh asked, but right now we're going to believe it in faith instead of skepticism. Hey, even if you got, if you don't have any faith tonight, borrow some of mine and ask this question. God has gifted me some, I'll gift, I'll gift to you. But I want you all to put your eyes on the screen and I want you to ask this question of the Lord tonight. Who are you, Lord? Look at this. Matter of fact, I'd love to provide 30 to 45 seconds of silence. I'm believing the Holy Spirit is going to answer your question. So close your notebooks, put your phones down. If your friend's been asleep, wake them up because the Spirit can speak a better message in 40 seconds than I can in 30. And I want us all to just ask this question. Silently, I'm going to give you 30 to 45 seconds to ask this. Holy Spirit, speak now as we ask this question to you. Who are you, Lord? Now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, Some of you need to receive salvation. God just spoke to you, said, I am Savior. If that's you and you know you need to receive the salvation, submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, right now on the count of three, will you just put your hand up over your head? One, two, three. All across the room at every campus. Listen, you have been freed and delivered. Raise your hand up high without any inhibition. And leaders, if you see students with a hand raised, you can grab them and take them out the back. And here's what we're gonna do now as we worship together in response to what we just heard. I want you to keep this question in your mind as we sing and as we worship. Some of you, you need to, with your voice, with your hands, with your body, submit to God. Your decisions might follow the posture and the loudness of your voice. Sing. If you know during this next song that you need to tap your fuse group leader on the shoulder and ask them to go out the back because you need prayer for something that you know, the way out, you know that's you and you need to talk to your leader about it, tap them on the shoulder during worship. 
hey, if you're a leader in here and you need provision, I just sense this, you lost your job, maybe you need a miraculous breakthrough, the livestock feels like they're dead and you need God to come through as the provider, why don't you ask God for a miracle tonight and see if he doesn't come through? It is now to work this out. This is why we sing afterwards, to respond in faith or to stir our own faith to believe and respond to the word of God. So we're going to do that now. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing together. Father, I pray that as we sing these next songs, that it would be clear, Jesus Christ, that you have you are here with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. I just sensed even tonight as I was praying that in the plagues, hail fire fell from heaven to show the power of God. And in the New Testament, tongues of fire fell from heaven to show the presence of God. I pray that that would be the reality in every room as we sing to Jesus Christ, our living hope, the only one, the one who's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the Omega that you would show us the reality of who you are, Lord. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on.